Section 5 of What the Mother of a Deaf Child Ought to Know by John Dutton Wright Containing Chapter 17 Organized Efforts by Parents to Obtain Better Educational Conditions Chapter 18 A Personal Matter for Each Parent Chapter 19 Day Schools Chapter 20 The Deaf Child at Five Years of Age Chapter 21 Schools for the Hearing and private governesses chapter twenty two importance of the beginning and chapter twenty three avoid the young and inexperienced teacher this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen organized efforts by parents to obtain better educational conditions it should be possible for every taxpayer in every state who has a deaf child and who has not the means or the wish to place that child in a private school to have the child educated in a free public school as completely by the speech method as his hearing children are educated by that method he should not be compelled to send his child out of the state or else subject him to the influence of signs and finger spelling with the probability that he will leave school a deaf mute unfortunately in many states this is not possible at present but if the parents of deaf children would organize themselves into parents associations and send representatives to the governors and legislative committees and arrange for demonstrations by orally educated deaf children from pure oral schools and carry on an active campaign of enlightenment and of agitation the present state of affairs would soon cease to exist I wish to make an urgent plea for the energetic efforts of all parents of deaf children to improve the speech-teaching conditions in their respective localities. At present, very far from all that is possible is being done to give deaf children a ready command of spoken English and a working ability to understand when spoken to. The persons who have the most at stake in this matter, and who should be most active and persistent in demanding from the school authorities and legislatures better facilities for the acquisition of speech by deaf children, are the parents of those children. In each locality, these parents should organize into parents' associations. These local associations should, in turn, be connected by a statewide organization, composed of representatives from each local association. These state organizations could then be combined by representation in a national organization of all the parents of deaf children in the United States. Such complete organization once effected, the reasonable demands made in the interests of better results in speech-teaching would quickly be complied with by the respective schools and the legislatures or boards of directors that control them. The associations could induce their local papers to aid in a campaign to educate public opinion by printing facts concerning what is done elsewhere. If all parents of deaf children only knew what might be accomplished and were so organized as to permit them to present their wishes forcibly to those able to change conditions, the deaf child would quickly come into his own. Chapter 18. A Personal Matter for Each Parent Let some parent in each locality make it his or her business to get the names and addresses of all other parents of deaf children in the vicinity induce them to come together some evening and choose a chairman and an executive committee of three let these four people make a point of studying the education of the deaf as conducted in the most advanced communities let the executive committees of the several local associations get together once or twice a year for a sort of state convention of parents let them invite leading educators to address them and let them appoint committees to visit schools in other states where different methods are employed if such a movement was once started there would be found plenty of subject matter for discussion and plenty of opportunities to work for a betterment of conditions 
the author of this little book would be glad to give any aid in his power to such a movement and to place the results of his twenty-five years of experience at the disposal of any parent or parents organization the first efforts should be directed to inducing or compelling the so-called combined schools for the deaf throughout the united states to wholly segregate at least a small oral department from the manually taught pupils the orally taught pupils should never come in contact during their school life either in the shops dining rooms playgrounds or schoolrooms with those pupils with whom fingerspelling and signs are employed all employees whether superintendents teachers supervisors teachers of trades or servants who have to do with the orally taught pupils should be compelled to use only speech and lip reading and writing if absolutely necessary under penalty of dismissal for failing to do so only by means of such segregation and the enforcement of speech as a universal medium of communication can the appropriation for oral work be made really productive of good results in what are now called combined schools this can be done on a small scale at the beginning with a little entering beginners then if all beginners are put into this oral department it will gradually grow at the expense of the manual department until after a period of eight or ten years the entire school will have become oral this is the only method of procedure by which satisfactory results in speech teaching for practical purposes can be obtained in return for the generous appropriations that the states make it has been fully demonstrated by actual operation in the state of pennsylvania where the largest school for the deaf in the world has in this manner been changed from a combined school to a pure oral school all the deaf children in the state of massachusetts are now taught wholly by the oral method if that polyglot and heterogeneous population can be so treated there is no state in the union where the same could not be done if there were the desire and the ambition to do it in many states deaf children have been either by definite statement or by tacit understanding exempted from the enforcement of the compulsory education law this is all wrong they need the protection of that excellent law even more than the hearing child and if the law for compulsory education does not in fact apply to them it should at once be amended to do so chapter nineteen day schools the parents are the ones most interested in this matter and it is through their efforts alone that improvement can be brought about in massachusetts new york new jersey wisconsin michigan illinois ohio washington oregon texas missouri and california free public oral day schools have been established this movement has reached its highest development in wisconsin and michigan in wisconsin there are twenty-four such schools scattered throughout the state and in michigan fourteen new schools are opened by the board of education under prescribed conditions upon the request of a certain number of parents of deaf children such a law should be on the statute books of every state and will be when the parents of deaf children organize and demand it chapter twenty the deaf child at five years of age when the little child that has been deaf from infancy is five years of age he should be placed in a purely oral school for the deaf if such a thing is possible the child who has become deaf by illness or accident after speech has been acquired should be placed under experienced instruction by the speech method at once to quote once more from my little book of suggestions to physicians quote, if the proper school for the little hearing child of five did not happen to exist in his immediate neighbourhood no one would think of insisting upon the necessity of sending the little one away to a distant boarding-school but that is what must be done in the case of the little deaf child if precious and irrecoverable years are not to be lost 
it is often a difficult matter to persuade a mother to sacrifice her own personal happiness and comfort in having the little child with her and to look far enough into the future to see that a true and unselfish love for the child requires her to entrust him to the care of others during those early and crucial years Unquote. chapter twenty one schools for the hearing and private governesses if no oral day or boarding school is available near at hand the mother should have the far-sighted love that is unselfish and the courage to part with her little five-year-old child during the months of the school year and place him in some one of the distant schools where he can live and be taught in a purely oral environment there are two alternatives to these each of which is sometimes attempted but both are undesirable first the mother not infrequently attempts to have her child educated in the schools for hearing children this is very unsatisfactory and even dangerous for if persisted in it results in wholly inadequate progress uneven development bad speech irretrievable loss of time and often in a complete nervous breakdown this may not come for some years but the nervous system once undermined by the excessive strain of trying to keep up under impossible conditions can never be fully repaired here is what a partially deaf woman writes of her experience as a child Quote, when i was three and one half years old scarlet fever left me almost totally deaf my father was a physician he was urged to send me to a school for the deaf but his medical training told him that what was needed was association with speaking children if i were to retain my speech for at that time the oral method was unknown in our state so i went to school with hearing children unless you have been deaf you will not understand the misery in this statement a little lonely deaf child i went to a public school hearing practically nothing of the teacher's instructions or the pupil's recitations of the torture of that deaf childhood i will not speak you all know how cruel children may be and a deaf child among hearing children often suffers untold torments the second alternative is to seek some person who will teach the child in his own home this too is very unsatisfactory and involves loss of time and opportunity that can never be recovered in the first place the beginning years of a deaf child's educational life are the most important of all they are crucial it is then he requires the highest skill the greatest experience and the most perfect conditions the best teachers can seldom if ever be induced to teach a single child in its home usually these teachers are more or less inferior but even the best teacher in the world cannot do for a little deaf child in his home what she could accomplish for him in a well-organized and properly conducted school neither the intellect nor the character of the deaf child can be as successfully developed after five years of age by a private teacher in his home as in a good school the following elements are essential for the highest educational welfare of a deaf child first the stimulus and incentive of association and competitive companionship second the contact with more than one mind and more than one speaker third the avoidance of becoming dependent upon someone as an interpreter and the cultivation of independence and self-reliance through constant practice with various teachers fourth a fully equipped and trained organization providing a complete and uninterrupted education under one head fifth regularity of life and the subordination of all living conditions to the highest educational advantage a thing utterly incompatible with home conditions these most necessary conditions are not possible of attainment through private instruction in the home the child who is kept at home and given private instruction too often grows up to be timid self-distrustful and unfitted to cope with the difficulties and oppositions of the world he falls an easy prey to temptation and is quickly discouraged by obstacles 
very often he is selfish, narrow, and overbearing. Not having those about him of his own age, and with the same desires, he has become accustomed to having people yield to his whims and fancies as child playmates would not yield. He is more or less excluded from the plays and pleasures of childhood. All those about him have an advantage over him. On the other hand, the tendencies of the school-bred child are to be simple, natural, and childlike. His inclination to moodiness and suspiciousness is much less. He is happier, he becomes self-reliant, independent, and respectful of the rights of others. He is less petulant and more obedient. The wisest parents do not educate their hearing children at home, nor should they attempt it with a deaf child. Chapter 22. Importance of the Beginning I wish to lay very special stress upon the necessity at the beginning of the most expert and experienced instruction that is attainable. If circumstances make it impossible to give to the child the best all the time, then he should have the best at the start rather than later. Every effort and every sacrifice that are ever going to be made for the child's sake should be at the beginning of his school training and not delayed till he is older. The years from five to eight or ten will determine his future success. If he has poor teaching during these early years, even the best teaching later will not be able to make up the loss entirely. But if he has good teaching during the first few years, the less expert teaching later cannot do him as much harm as it otherwise would. The early years are his most crucial period, and the best efforts should be expended then instead of when he is twelve or fourteen. Chapter 23. Avoid the Young and Inexperienced Teacher between the ages of five and ten, avoid the young and inexperienced teacher, and the amateur, as you would the plague. Unfortunately, the idea is prevalent that anyone can teach a little child, but that it takes experience to teach the older pupils. This is a disastrous fallacy. Young and inexperienced women are too often quite ready to assume the great responsibility of teaching a little deaf child. They rush in where angels might well fear to tread. Unfortunately, parents and even school superintendents are often too ready to permit them to do this dangerous thing. End of section five.